You know, we sing songs like this, and it's part of our heart cry because it's him that fills us. It's him that directs us. It's him that gives us purpose. In him is everything. And it's so beautiful for us to stand together and you as a generation crying out, show us your glory. We need your presence more than anything else. I was reading Ephesians and it says this, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. We talked about this all throughout the conference of what is my purpose? Where do I belong? Where am I supposed to be? And we look for it in so many places, but it's in Christ we find out who we are and where we're supposed to be and who we're supposed to be. And so it's songs like this where we're saying, God, show us your glory. We want more of you. We need you. We, we want the plans that you have for us. We want to know the purpose that you have for us. It goes on to say, oh, Siri is talking to me. It goes on to say this. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Long before you even started to think about, maybe I need him, maybe I need Jesus, maybe there's something more, he already had his eye on you. Long before you were on his mind before he was on your mind. It said he had designs for us for glorious living and part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and in everyone. The purpose that he is working out in everything and in everyone. He has purpose for you. And it's amazing moments like this, they're amazing to stand together and cry out to him and say, show us, show us, God, we're here. But it doesn't have to just be in these moments. It can be in moments when you're in your room, moments when you've had the worst day of your life or moments where somebody spoke over you and said, you're worthless. Moments when you don't know what the direction is. Any of those moments where you can stand in that place and say, show me because he's the one that knows. He's the only one that knows. Because it's in Christ. It's in him. And he knew about you and he thought about you before you even thought about him. And he designed something so special and marked each and every one of you with purpose. You're marked 
Say, I'm marked. I'm marked. I'm marked by him. I'm marked by him. There's a song we used to sing a long, long, long time ago, which you probably have never heard of, but it's no turning back. No turning back. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Because I'm marked by him. There's this pull on the inside of me that knows this is where I belong. And this is who I belong to. So let's just close our eyes for just a moment. And Jake's going to come up. And I tell you, I I was out for a walk a couple of days ago before before the conference and I was praying I was praying over the conference I was praying over you and I I had a picture in my head and I was just praying God let them just know you let them let there be a move of your spirit and all of a sudden I had this picture and it was like God was showing me a calendar and he pointed to this date and he said It's marked on my calendar. And he said, I'm going to mark them with who I am. I'm going to mark them. You got to understand that even if someone dragged you here or you just came here for the fun, he still marked this moment knowing you'd be here. Not one of you goes unnoticed. Not one of you is removed from his heart. He says, I'm marking them. And so I believe that Jake has an amazing, amazing word for us today that's going to take us deeper in his presence. But just like we said last night, let's just open up our hands and open up our hearts right now. Can you lift your hands up like this? And just say this after me, God, whatever you have, I want it. I'm open for you to move in me on my heart and in my life. Mark me tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, you can go back to your seats. Thank you, praise and worship team. Well, you've already met Mr. Jacob McGrew. That was very official. Mr. Jacob McGrew. But I have the privilege of introducing him tonight. And I know that... um, God spoke to us to bring Jake and to bring Jonathan um, because they're carrying a word for us. And so I want you to open up your heart like we just prayed to receive what the Spirit of God is going to say through him. And and as always, we always enjoy having Jacob here to speak. Jacob, come on up. (laughs) Welcome, Jake. I don't know who this mister is. (laughs) 
Have you guys had fun so far? Have you had a good time last night and today? Is everybody awake? Ready for some more fun tonight? Can we talk about Jesus for a little bit? I want to pray, and then we're going to get into this. But if you would just take a minute with me and just close your eyes wherever you're at. Just close your eyes. And I want you to um, uh, position yourself like you're about to receive something. So whether you want to look up to heaven or whether you want to open your hands. But I'm going to pray for us, and I want to receive all that God has for us tonight. So, Father, we thank you for our time together. God, I thank you for what you're going to say right now. God, I ask that you pour out your spirit on us in a new way tonight, that you flood this place with your anointing that breaks the yokes of bondage, that destroys the works of the enemy. Father, I thank you that tonight we encounter you in a new way. Say this after me. Say, Jesus. Say it like you mean it. Say, Jesus, I want to meet you tonight in a new way all by myself like I never have before. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? No, you say amen. That's when you say amen. <laughs> you all said it. You all said in Jesus' name. You say amen. I say in Jesus' name. You say amen. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Open your Bibles to John chapter 4. I want to talk to you tonight about encountering Jesus. During worship, as we were standing here, I was thinking about that passage of Scripture where Jesus was hanging out, and some parents in Mark chapter 10, the Bible says, were trying to bring their kids to Jesus. The Bible says so that they, they could have Jesus lay their hands on their kids and pray for them. And the disciples got really mad. They were like, get out of here. Get these kids out of here. Don't bother Jesus with these kids. He's only here for the adults. He's only here to preach to grown-ups. And the Bible says that Jesus got really mad at the disciples. And he said, let those kids come here. Because you've got to be like a kid to receive all that I have for you. And as we were standing here during worship, I wanted to tell you tonight that God wants to meet with you. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. Jesus wants to meet with you tonight. Before we go home, before we go play laser tag, before you go do karaoke and do your best, like, singing where you say, I should be signed to a record label because I'm an amazing vocalist. Somebody needs to hear these pipes I have. Before any of that, before anything else, I want to tell you that Jesus wants to meet with you tonight. And here's what I know about meeting with Jesus. If you look through the Bible at all, anywhere, anytime that somebody met with Jesus, where they came and encountered Jesus, where they ran into Jesus and had a conversation with him, where they ran into him and they were crying out like, I need your help in my life. Anytime that happened, 
that person left the presence of Jesus radically transformed and changed for the rest of their life. And I know that if he did it all those years ago for all those people, he didn't love those people any more than he loves you. If he did it then, he can do it again tonight. And he wants to. Amen? Do you believe that? Some of you do? Okay, I'll work with that. I'll work with that. So John chapter 4, we're going to work our way through this story. And this is the story of what we call the Samaritan woman. And I'm going to kind of tell this story. I'll read a few verses out of the chapter. But for the most part, I'm going to try and just tell it to you. And listen, I know we're supposed to sit in chairs in church. That's the normal thing to do. Somebody gets up to preach. We stand up and we sing songs and then... Somebody usually does, like, announcements and gives awesome stuff away and, like, hey, check out this cool thing we have. Who needs an egg timer at home? Come on, and give it away. And then somebody gets up and preach, and we all sit down. That's the normal thing to do. But when I look in the Bible and I see that Jesus is around, I just find that people are always moving to where Jesus is at. And I truly believe, like Pastor Megan was just talking about, that the Lord wants to encounter us tonight in new and fresh ways. And so I want to tell you this. You can do this right now or at any time while I'm speaking. If you feel like you need to get up and just come sit down at the front so you're closer, this, this isn't like more anointed, this area right here. But what this represents is what we call an altar. And the altar in the Old Testament was where the presence of God was at. And so if you're like, I just want to get closer to Jesus, like, I love my best friend. I love this dude beside me. I love this girl beside me. I think she's the hottest chick ever, and I just don't want to leave her side. But if you're saying to yourself, I just need to get closer to Jesus for the next 20 minutes, then you can feel free at any time to come just sit down here and hang out and listen and sit at the feet of Jesus, okay? You hear me? Okay. Yeah, you can go sit there if you want to. John chapter 4. Jesus is on his way to go do some ministry, and he's heading somewhere, and the Bible says in verse 4, he had to go through Samaria on the way, and Samaria was another part of Israel, and he had to go through this place, and it says he came to a village um, near a field that Jacob gave his son Joseph, and there was a well there, and people would go out there and get water from this well. And the Bible says that it was like the middle of the day as they were walking, and Jesus was all by himself because as they came to this village, it was lunchtime, and Jesus was a man, so Jesus needed some food in his belly because he was a dude. And so his disciples went to the city to go get him some lunch, and he stayed back at this well. And as he's at this well, this woman comes walking out, and she walks out to this well as Jesus is just kind of hanging out by the well. In my mind, Jesus is, this is the well right here, and Jesus is just kind of like, oh man, I'm so hot, so tired, and he's just leaning up against the well. And this woman comes, and she's walking over, and in my mind, Jesus is just watching her as she walks up to the well. The Bible says that she comes up, and then her and Jesus begin to talk. And as she gets close to the well, Jesus asks her and says, would you get me some water? Now, 
you need to know that this well is like 100 feet deep. It's an old well, and it's 100 feet deep. And the way that this well got its water was because it was so deep and they had dug so deep, it would just slowly, continually fill itself up with water way down there. And she shows up, and just uh, Jesus is, he's thirsty, he's hungry, his boys are off getting them food to eat, but in the meantime, he's thirsty, and he says, hey, would you mind getting me some water? I don't have anything to get water with. It's really far down that hole, so it's not like I can just reach down my hand and scoop up some water. Would you help me and get some water from there? And it says in verse 9, and there's a couple of verses I want to make sure that I read to you. Verse 9 says, when Jesus asked her to get some water, it says, the woman was surprised because Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she says to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Then she says, I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And I want to stop here for just a second. Here's the deal. Here's what she's talking about. There's two things that matter in this section. The first one was that she was a Samaritan. I don't know how much you know about Bible history. Jonathan talked a little tiny bit about it this morning, but Samaritans and Jews did not get along. They didn't like each other. And here's why. Because a long time ago, before Jesus showed up, uh, Israel was invaded and all these Jews were taken captive and they were brought to this other place and they began to intermarry and they began to intermingle with different religions and different gods and their their race was not as pure as it was because they weren't following God the way they were supposed to. And so Jewish people didn't love the Samaritans because they felt like they had forsaken God. They felt like they were kind of standing between two worlds where they followed some of the rules of God, but not some of the other rules of the God. So they were kind of standing between two worlds with the foot in each side. And so the Jews and the Samaritans didn't like each other. That's a real brief, like, explanation of what's happening. But the Samaritans, in a way, remind me of maybe some people in church now where we try and live two lives, where we're one way here and now, and as soon as we leave this place, or we get up tomorrow, or we go to school on Mondays, we're somebody else. And the Jews and these people didn't get together. And then, it wasn't just bad enough that she was a Samaritan, she was a woman as well. And many times in Jesus' time, you couldn't talk to women. There there was priests that they wouldn't even, in public, they wouldn't even talk to their wives, their sisters, or their daughters. There was some priests even who were called the bleeding priests, and it's because if they were in the street and they saw a woman and they were all walking, they would close their eyes because they couldn't look at that woman, and they did things like walk into walls and walk into doors and fall over because they're walking around with their eyes closed. Because apparently looking at a woman is bad news. Somebody needs to write that down. 
So she's surprised because Jesus is talking to her. And she says to him, basically, you're talking to me. You're asking me to help you. I'm a Samaritan. You basically think I'm unpure. I am also a woman, and you're still talking to me. And Jesus says, yes, I am talking to you. Yes, I am asking you for some water. I'm asking you to help me. I want to tell you tonight first, right off the bat, that it doesn't matter what the life you live looks like. God is not afraid of the messes you live in. And he will come and meet you wherever you're at. You are never so far gone in your life that God says, this dude is too messed up. This chick is so far gone that nobody can help her. Jesus is willing to cross all the boundaries all the social norms. Jesus is willing to break through every wall that you put up to show up in your life and bring you freedom and wholeness. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you think you've messed up. It doesn't matter the lies you've told. It doesn't matter how many people you've slept with. It doesn't matter what you've drank, what you've smoked, what you've stuck in your veins. It doesn't matter the lies you've told. It doesn't matter the chaos you've created. Jesus will bust through those walls. It doesn't matter what you look like, what you sound like, or how you feel, because he sees you how his father sees you, and he will crash through everything to get to you and get your attention. She says, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus says this to her. If you only knew the gift that God has for you, and if you knew who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I want to tell you tonight that God has a gift for you. And that gift was the gift of Jesus Christ. That gift is the gift of freedom. That gift is the gift of wholeness. Listen, I know sometimes you think, I'm so young that nobody thinks I've got problems in my life. I'm so young that nobody thinks that I have addictions in my life, that nobody thinks I have trauma, that nobody thinks I have hurts, that nobody thinks I deal with depression. You look at me and you see a little 13-year-old, a little 14-year-old, but I know what I'm dealing with. And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how old you are. Jesus sees you and he says to you, I have a gift for you. That gift was Jesus going to the cross. And when my blood was shed, those things that you deal with were dealt with then. And I'm here to give you freedom, life, wholeness, and hope today. He's got a gift for you. And he says, if you knew the gift that God has, and if you knew who you were talking to, he says, you'd ask me for water. I'm sure this lady's like, this dude is crazy. He just asked me for water, and now he's telling me that I should be asking him for water. I don't understand what you mean, dude. And she says, well, listen, if you've got some water for me, why are you asking me for water? He says, she says, you don't have a rope. You don't got a bucket. She says, this, this well is really deep. She says, where are you going to get this living water? Now, you need to understand, she keeps saying living water. And back then, to them, living water was water that was flowing, like water in a stream, down a creek. 
And so they're standing at a well talking, and she's like, where are you getting this water from? Where are you getting this free-flowing, life-giving water? She thinks he's talking about real water. And he goes on, and he says to her this. Anybody who drinks the water that I have, basically, will never be thirsty again. It says, it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. He's trying to explain to her, I'm not talking about H2O that you can see, that you can touch, that you can feel. He's talking about, I'm giving you water in your spirit, in your soul that will quench those dry parts of you, that will heal those broken parts of you. And anybody who drinks my water will never be thirsty again. Jesus is offering you tonight, right here, right now. He's offering you a drink of his water. He wants to give you the water inside that will change everything that you're dealing with, that will set you free, that will restore you, that will bring hope, that will bring healing. If you knew who you were talking to, you'd be asking me for water. She still thinks he's talking about water. She says to him, if I'll never be thirsty again, give me some of this water. This, verse 15 says, please, sir, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. Jesus says this, go get your husband. Go get your husband. She replies to Jesus and says, I don't have a husband. I don't have a husband. And I feel like this is a little bit of a test that Jesus is giving her. To see how much she truly wants to be set free. Because Jesus says, good answer. He says, you're right. He says, in fact, you've had five husbands and the man that you're living with now isn't your husband. To have an encounter with Jesus, sometimes you've got to get real. And listen, I know we're sitting in a church building, and we all know the churchy right answers to say. And sometimes it's scary to admit the deep, dark things inside of us. We're afraid somebody might hear us. We're afraid our parents might find out the truth. We're afraid the pastor is going to tell people what you said you dealt with. And so we try and keep it bottled up, and we try and take care of things all by ourselves. But there comes a moment where if you're really passionate, and you really want to be set free and you really want the living water that Jesus has, you have to be honest with both yourself and with him. And he says, go get your husband. She says, I don't got one. And I love how Jesus isn't phased. He's just like, yep, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five of them. Listen, even by today's standards, somebody who has had five husbands is a bit of a nightmare. Clearly something's not working in their life. But this was 2,000 years ago. I feel like in comparison, five husbands 2,000 years ago would be the equivalent in 2023 of being married like 37 times. And Jesus doesn't even care. He says, you're right, good answer. You've had five 
and you're living with the dude right now that you're not even married to. Jesus is willing to overlook these things and say, I'm going to come. Listen, like the story of Zacchaeus. Don't you love the story of Zacchaeus? Do you know the story of Zacchaeus? The wee little man who lived in a tree? Jesus said to Zacchaeus, who was a thief and stealing, and he says to Zacchaeus, come down from that tree, Zacchaeus. I want to go to your home. He wasn't afraid. He didn't tell Zacchaeus, you've got to get your life right, dude, before I even hang out with you. He doesn't say to this lady, you know what? I can't talk to you because you're sleeping with the dude right now you're not married to, and you've had five other husbands before this guy, so I can't talk to you. He says, no, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to put things in order. If you will allow me, I will come into your life and restore what has been stolen from you. You know, Charity was talking about innocence being restored. She was talking about it before we came out. She said, I feel like the Lord has put into my heart that he wants to restore innocence. God is the restorer. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't, like, I'm not trying to make light of those things, but I'm here to tell you tonight that when you've gone through those things, that Jesus wants to come into your life and repair things that have been broken, and he can do it. He's not afraid of your past. He's not afraid of the messes you make. The devil comes to steal and to kill and destroy. That's all he does. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. To steal, to kill, and destroy. That's it. That's his game. And so what he does to you is when there's things in your life that you're dealing with, he tries to put things on you so that you will not be honest and find freedom. Because if he can keep you quiet, if he can keep you silent, if he tells you lies that you believe that I'm the only person that deals with this thing, I'm the only one that feels this way, I'm the only one that ever had this done to me, nobody else has ever suffered the horrible things that I've had to walk through. He keeps you silent so you're all by yourself instead of opening your voice and being real and saying, this is happening, I need help. And if he can keep you quiet, he keeps you bound up in guilt and in shame. And that's his game. He just wants to keep you there. He wants you broken. He wants you hurt because he came to steal, kill, and destroy. But that verse goes on and says, but I have come to bring life and life more abundantly. First John chapter 3 talks about how Jesus came to destroy the works of the Satan, of the Satan, of Satan. That was weird. <laughs> Let's just go home right now. <laughs> the lady says to Jesus, because he just tells her that she's not married, tells her that she's got five previous husbands. She says, you must be a prophet, because I don't know how else he would know what I'm dealing with in my life. They begin to have this conversation. She says to him, she says, I know, in verse 25, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. And when he comes, he's going to explain everything to us. 
And in that moment, in that moment of their conversation where they have engaged each other and Jesus is trying to tell her, I've got living water that if you will just accept it, if you will ask me for that living water, if you will look at me, if you will realize who you're talking to and say to me, I need that living water, I need that healing, I need that encounter with you that will change me once and for all, like the woman with the issue of blood who got down on her hands and knees and crawled through the crowds to find Jesus because she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be set free. I know I'll be healed and transformed. Jesus is saying, if you'll just come to me and ask me for my living water, your life will be radically transformed and changed forever. She gets real and she gets honest with Jesus. She lays out all of her mess. And in that moment, in this place in the conversation, she says, I know the Messiah is coming. And when he does, he's going to make sense of everything. And he's going to tell us what's what. And Jesus, in that moment, that moment of transparency, that moment of honesty, that moment where she's being real and saying, this is who I am, this is what my life looks like, and I really need Jesus to show up to help me. He says to her, I am the Messiah. And when he says, I am the Messiah, look at this. Verse number 28 says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everybody, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And if you go down to verse 39, it says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed there for two more days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to this woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because what we have heard ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Listen, when you encounter Jesus and you meet Jesus, face to face and you have a conversation with him and you say to him, listen, I'm a mess. I need you in my life. Uh, nobody else knows what I'm going through. I've kept these things secret for so long. I can't talk about it to anybody. I can't share these things with anybody. I'm so ashamed of what I've done. I'm so ashamed of what's been done to me. But Jesus, this is who I am. And I know that if I just ran into you and had a meeting and I had a moment and I had an encounter that everything would change. And Jesus meets with you in those moments. When you cry out to him, you say, I need you. He says, here I am. And in those moments, like this woman, she ran off. By this point, the disciples had come back. She had been having a conversation with Jesus and as far as we know from the Bible, this lady just takes off running. Talking to Jesus, the disciples show up, and all of a sudden, this lady is just off running. Like, you ever seen a woman during worship, like, this, like they're just in the spirit, and all of a sudden, like, whoa, glory, and they're off running around the building? Anybody seen that before? And you're like, okay. Okay, that's cool. 
I think this woman had an encounter with Jesus that radically transformed her life, that opened her eyes to who Jesus was, that showed her what Jesus wanted to do in her life, and she couldn't contain it. She couldn't keep it for herself. She had to listen. Here's the thing about this woman. She was like ostracized and shunned from her community because she, wasn't, she was living with the dude she wasn't married with. She had five husbands. She had to go far out of the city to get water to drink. Nobody liked her. Nobody wanted to be her friends. They couldn't hang out with her because who she was. Jesus didn't care about any of that. He showed up and met with her. And when she met Jesus... She didn't care what those people back in the village thought about her. She had to go run and tell them about the man who was the Messiah that knew everything she had done and brought her living water. You're like, dude, why are you up here hollering about this? You guys can start playing. And as you start playing, I don't want to go into a song right now. I just want you guys to begin to worship the Lord from that deep place. You know, when we were worshiping and you were going like full explosions in the sky and you guys were just worshiping from your hearts in the very presence of Jesus, that's where I want to go right now. I want you guys to begin to worship like Jesus is right here, like he's standing right here in this very spot because I believe before we leave this place tonight, the Lord Jesus Christ wants to encounter us in a new way. So you guys don't got to wait for me to, to stop talking. I want you just to go now. I want you to go ahead and close your eyes, lift your hands up, just begin to flow in the spirit and begin to worship him like he is standing before you, like you are playing a song directly for him, like you are tickling those bass strings just for Jesus and he is staring right at you saying, I I love that, man. I love that note right there. I love that progression. I love what you're doing over here. I love you're playing just for me, that you're worshiping me. And as for us over here, as these guys are worshiping, I don't want you to stare at them and be like, what are these guys going to do? Not bad, not bad. Okay. Got some chops, got some chops. It comes back to this verse in chapter 4. Where Jesus says to her, if you only knew the gift God had for you and who you were speaking to, you would be asking me for living water. If you want to have an encounter with Jesus that radically transforms and changes your life, it starts with you doing something like this where you're coming down to the front and you're saying, I recognize Jesus is in this house. I recognize Jesus is here tonight. And I recognize that he has living water that will change and transform me. And so just, this is what Jesus said. If you just knew the gift that God had for you and you asked me for it, I would give it to you. And if in your life you need the gift that God has for you, the gift of freedom, the gift of healing, the gift of wholeness, the gift of life, the gift of restoration, the gift of reconciliation, the gift of whatever it is you need, then all you got to do is say, Jesus, I need the living water that you have. I need the gift that you have for me, and I receive it. And so what we're going to do is as these guys are worshiping the Lord, and if you want to receive 
the gift that God has for you, the gift that Jesus went to the cross and gave you, I want you to come on down here with these guys and sit in his presence or stand in his presence or lift your hands. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You just need to, like the woman with the issue of blood, maybe you need to crawl to where he's at, where you're saying to yourself, if I could just touch him for a second, I know my life would be transformed and changed. If you need that in your life tonight, then you come on down here because I know that Jesus wants to meet with you and he wants to have an encounter with you tonight that will change your life forever. Yeah.